Recording. Baba Booey. Hang on, let me lower that a little bit. And a Baba Booey <clears throat> to y'all. And I guess you could say, Matt, that anything goes. Oh, like in the movie. Cut the trailer. <laughs> Are going to die. Well, they haven't delayed West Side Story yet. So That's, I, I am petrified that it's going to get delayed. But that that's might give a, us a window. Yeah, you know, I mean, the world's in a, a scary, weird place right now. So, like, I'm not going to be mad at anyone if they do. Uh, and what are the chances it goes directly to streaming? None. I think Steven Spielberg would literally die. Like, he would drop dead. All right. Quibi is going bankrupt. <laughs> they need a last-ditch effort to save it. We're pivoting, and all we're doing is releasing West Side Story to streaming. That would be incredible. And, you know, I've, I've seen a lot of people, like, talk shit about Spielberg, about his Netflix thing, and we've talked about it here, too. He never said he was anti-Netflix. He said he just considered it television. I disagree with him, but that's not the same thing as saying "fuck off, Netflix." I'm well, it's a little. It is a little weird to be like Netflix is television in an age where television has been significantly better than movies in a lot of ways. Uh, it's right now. It's like way more creatively like interesting. You know, like a lot of yeah. artists are going to television because they're getting freedom that movies production studios have not allowed. Uh, as much as they did in the past. Not that there's free reign or anything like that, you know, but there there's a lot well, of weirder all the, stuff. All out the there. mid budget all the mid budget movies went to television. Yeah. Now if only so. we could just make those as movies on television. Like I'd like to see T V movies make a big comeback, honestly. Instead of just I making guess. everything like a Uh-oh. season of television. Hey, just the folks at home, if you hear any scratching in the background, I'm recording in a different room and my cats are playing. Oh, okay, fun, fun. Also, we should say our names. I'm your host, Tegel Crespo. How do they not know? I don't know. <laughs> Maybe someone's like, I feel like listening to a podcast about Temple of Doom today. I feel today. like starting with the Temple of Doom podcast of something called Happy Amblin on something called the Waffle Press. Yes. Sure. Weirder things have happened. Hey, I gotta say this real quick. So we're still, uh, we're at the very beginnings of the, uh, what I assume is super successful reopening of America. Oh, boy. <laughs> and we've, we've been under quarantine for a while now. And uh, I've a lot of podcasts I listen to have been forced to pivot to recording from home, right? Right. And I listen to a lot of podcasts with much higher viewership and um, with, you know, significantly better guess <laughs> than the waffle press and their audio is so bad it makes me feel a lot better about how i sound on this show yeah take that nerds and i'm recording on a fucking blue snowball i am recording on it what am i a ice cream cone what is this one the the uh, yeti yeti i think you're on a, you're on a blue yeti yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. Did I ever well, tell you the story? Did I ever tell you the story about uh, the, the the Johnny Quest Yeti episode? 
No. This is actually kind of related because it does remind you of Temple of Doom, which we'll get into. Um, we're not going to really go over the history on this one, I don't think, too much, because you kind of get all the history of Indy in the Raiders episode. But we could talk a little bit about the production of this one, obviously. But uh, some tea-up, because I love these adventure movies a lot. Um, I loved Johnny Quest as a kid a lot, too. So there's an episode where uh, I always wanted to see, like, Indiana Jones fighting monsters, right? But there's an episode of Johnny Quest where they they end up fighting, like, these yetis. And it turns out to be, like, a Scooby-Doo-type situation where the yetis are actually, like, terrorists terrorizing this, like, uh, uh, this town in Nepal below this mountain so they can, like, steal from this ancient temple or whatever, right? And so the gang leads the townspeople and their leader up to the, the, the ancient city where these terrorists are hiding out for the final confrontation. And they get there. Everyone is dead. They're strung out. Like, it's really scary imagery. It's, like, really yeah. kind of harsh. Like, the, the costumes are torn apart and everything. Which Johnny Quest is this? I don't remember the name. We'll have to look it up right now. But What, what was, like, was it the... Oh, like, it's the original one. The original, okay. Yeah. And, uh, you know, all the terrorists in the Yeti costumes are dead. And then they're like, what could have done this? And then you just hear this piercing scream from the mountains mm. above them. And this slow zoom into something walking away in the distance. And it's an actual Yeti. And I don't know why. No, I do know why. That scared the shit out of me. That sounds great. It's really good. Johnny, the OG sounds- Johnny Quest, while also racist, like the original Indiana Jones films, um, is very entertaining, and I really recommend it, apart from the racism. That reminds me of the, uh, there's a great, I think it's uh, Peter Cushing's in it, called The Abominable Snowman of the Himalayas. I think it was a hammer horror film. And there's a lot of stuff like that where, like, you, you don't really see it. And you just hear it yelling in the distance. It also so, reminds me of the check. Disney ride, Expedition Everest. Oh, is that is that good? Should I check that out um, when, when places well, open again? Crazy. I got to ride that. I, here's all, there's actually a story with this ride. Oh, okay. It's one of the largest attractions Disney World ever built. And they built it in Animal Kingdom because I think that was, like, the least attended part. <laughs> It's something like 200 feet tall. They built like a whole mountain for it to go through, right? Right, right. And I got to ride it opening weekend, which was like really cool. By like sheer coincidence, I was there when it opened. And uh, one of the things, are, it was really hyped. And one of the things was that they were talking about they built this Yeti robot in it, right? Right. And you only see it for like half a second. But they're like, this is the largest, most expensive animatronic we have ever built for a Disney ride. And, like, they were keeping it, like, you couldn't see, you'd only see, like, a shadow and, like, all the promotions, like, they weren't showing it. And then you see it on the ride, and it's, like, it's pretty cool. It's, like, huge, and it, like, screams at your car, and then, like, you go down a drop or something. And, well, turns out, they might have built it a little too strong. Because <laughs> the thing was, like, whipping around so much, it was, like, breaking, like, support beams and stuff inside the mountain. Oh, no. Well, it also turns out the way they built it, it was like connected to like, like strategically important beams, like structurally important <gasps> beams to holding up the ride. And to fix it, they would literally have to like cut the mountain in half and take the robot out to redo it. <laughs> 
And so since the opening year, it has just been standing but not operating inside the ride. So if you ride it today, they just like flash a strobe light on it, but it like doesn't move. <laughs> because it's just, it's so like impossible to fix and it's causing too much damage to the mountain. Wow. So good luck, suckers. I got to see it when it was awesome. <laughs> you mean dangerous. Which seems, to be, which seems to be something going on with a lot of Disney attractions today where like you hear about like all the work they put in the stuff and then like it backfires on them. Like if, you, if you've been keeping up at all with the Star Wars land they recently opened where uh, first of all, like they drove all the crowds away because they overhyped how many people they thought were going to show up. Yep. So, like, people didn't show up, so they're like, all right, well, year two, it'll be huge. And then fucking COVID hits. <laughs> so, none of the first... I and never then thought about a... that. Yeah. And then another problem is they designed it in a way, because they were like, all right, there's going to be huge crowds. So, we have to build it in a way so we're constantly keeping people moving. So, it, it, like, nothing ever bottlenecks. Which is actually, I think, a big problem with, if you ever go to Universal, their Harry Potter sections, like, it gets, like, wall-to-wall people at a lot of times. So I think they were trying to avoid that. and But because they built it that way, there's nowhere really to sit down in Star Wars land. So people just leave. So it looks empty most of the time. And also they had like this whole thing where I know they, they've been working on for years free-roaming animatronics that could like walk around the parks and stuff like that that they've been trying to do for years. Mm. And I know they were developing robots, like little like droids that could go around Star Wars land and they canceled them because they thought it would bottleneck all the crowds. But they wasted like all this money like in like doing R&D. And now you got the uh like the two rides they've opened are so overly complicated. Like they're supposed to be great when they work but they're so overly complicated that like the smallest thing goes wrong and they have to like shut the ride down oh no <laughs> and the stuff looks great but it's like and and now they also have the problem where the the land it is set in is specifically set between episodes eight and nine mm-hmm. <laughs> and like episode nine like drastically changes everything yet again and now I feel bad. Like I said, the, the person I feel bad for is the woman who has to play the walk around Ray. Oh God, yeah. At, at Disney now, who's now I guess got to be Ray Skywalker. Um, although if you want some adorable videos, look up that, that whoever they have doing the Ray, or at least they did at the beginning, has been doing a fantastic job. <laughs> like doing stuff with like, like where she can like take kids on like a secret mission and shit. Oh, that's it's, great. It's really, it's really endearing. And depressing. <laughs> mm. uh, so, oh, by the way, the name of the Speaking Johnny... of Scooby-Doo... <laughs> no, by the way, the name of the Johnny Quest episode is uh, Monsters in the Monastery. And because the original mm. Johnny Quest series only has, lasted 26 episodes, uh, it's the second to last episode of the series. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. I wonder, uh, I wonder, wow, that's that's nuts. Well, they really went swinging yeah. at the end. <laughs> oh, yeah. And that's a Hanna-Barbera show, right? Like. <laughs> I'm not answering that. We're going to move on now. I know what you're going to say. No. Recently. No. There's been a, 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 listen, I just went through my own temple of doom. Oh my God. Listen, I I don't give a fuck. I, I don't even know where to start. 
So I made a point of saying that the movies Jurassic World and The Lorax are the two worst films I have ever seen. <laughs> well, I've seen a worse movie. <laughs> and that movie is Scoob. Diego. I'm not watching Scoob. Did you, you did you see Scoob? No, I, I did not see Scoob. I, what, I, what do you know of Scoob? Um, that some people are like, it wasn't that bad. And then everyone else who went in completely blind is like, that might be one of the worst things I've ever seen. Yeah, it's fucking terrible. And uh, listen, Dan Doherty, who is a big fan of the podcast, he's a Patreon fan, gets some shouts out, shout outs from time to time, uh, gave a fairly positive review saying like, look, it's nothing special, but it's a kid's movie. And I'll be honest, I respect Dan Doherty a lot. I don't know what the fuck he's talking about. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, Dan. Scoob was like... Alright, it it just started off really bad, but it wasn't the worst. I'll give it that. For the first, like, ten minutes, it wasn't the worst movie ever made. Then it takes a hard left turn, and it becomes unrelentingly awful. It is... I have never been more certain that humanity was alone in the universe (laughs) than while watching Scoob. No just or sane universe would produce that. I I had heard prior to it because I I barely saw like clips from the trailer like like flashing like gifs basically. I saw gifs. I didn't even see the full trailer because I was just like it's Scooby-Doo. I'll watch it eventually. I like Scooby-Doo. I did a couple episodes on my podcast last Halloween, which I will link down below. Check them out. Uh, and then I had heard from a friend that they were preparing a Hanna-Barbera cinematic universe, and they're going to use Scoob as a launching pad. And I was like, oh, like Iron Man? And they were like, no, like Justice League. <laughs> and I was like, <laughs> are you sure? And they're like, Yeah. And that's all I heard, and I was like, ah, probably over-exaggerating. And then I heard another friend well, tell me the same thing, um, minus the Justice League comment, and I was like, oh, no. So so what is the general plot of a Scooby-Doo episode? Uh, kids go Wait, to try, a- to try to explain it in the least complicated way possible, because I know that Scoob just goes over some people's heads these days. Uh, the gang of uh, mystery-solving teenagers and their talking dog, Scooby-Doo, stumble upon a mystery and a spooky monster that turns out to be a man in a mask. Yeah, uh, Scoob is a superhero movie. Yeah, that's, that's what I'm starting to hear, too, right now. Where Scoob is the chosen one. Oh, oh what? <laughs> yeah, like, there's some... Alright. Fucking Dick Dastardly... From the Wacky Races is in it. I'm cutting all of this, by the way. This is no, you're leave it. Leave this in. I will fucking walk from this podcast. I will release it early. If if this is not in the episode, I'm fucking walking. I'm I'm hijacking this to spread that my gospel of hatred. <laughs> Towards the film Scoob this and the entire mentality behind it. I still have a lot to say about Temple of Doom. We'll get to it! Okay. <laughs> I could just replace you with my Mexican co-host, Mark yeah. Burrito. <laughs> Listen. Dick Dastardly from the Wacky Races is the villain 
of the film Scoob because he opened up a portal to another dimension where his trusty sidekick Muttley, remember Muttley? Not really. Muttley, who other than Scoob are like the, the Muttley and Scoob are the only two people in it that are voiced by actual veteran voice actors, by the way. Oh, okay. And so Muttley got trapped in another dimension. <laughs> and somehow to rescue him, he needs Scooby-Doo and like the skulls of other famous dogs or something. What? <laughs> yeah. Look, it was very hard to pay attention to what the actual plot was. Because it was just so, it wouldn't stop in its... Simon Cowell shows up, and then Scooby and Shaggy start singing a song from fucking A Star Is Born. Then I think there's a reference to twerking, and there's there's jokes about Tinder and, and Grubhub, and All I Do Is Win, Win, Win starts playing... And, like, that's, like, every second of the movie is just, like, a series of things like that. <laughs> that's, like, the whole movie. <laughs> okay, so it's one of those cynical DreamWorks style, like, like uh, emoji movie level disasters. Yeah, but it's, like, I thought we left that behind. <laughs> like, DreamWorks is now, like... Oh, DreamWorks like, is, like, fuck. good now. Yeah, I shouldn't even say that. Yeah. Generally, But it's you also, know. like, DreamWorks, like, totally broke the bank. Like, they, I mean, not broke break the bank. That's a good thing. Like, DreamWorks crashed and burned pretty hard because they just ran out all the public's goodwill. So by the time they were actually making good movies, no one gave a shit anymore. And you would think that would be a cautionary tale. And, like, I think the argument people would make would be like, well, what about Illumination or something like that with those fucking minions? And I should say Dick Dastardly has, like, these minion robots that I, they are so trying to make them the next minions. Oh no! And fail entirely. And I think Dick Dastardly murders one at one point. What? Which is weird. Yeah, like he throws one in an incinerator, which is I don't know what that was about. And but like Illumination is there. Those are bad movies, right? Yeah. This is worse. Although Mark Mark Kermode will gladly go to bat for the minions. <laughs> Yeah, which I hey Mark, I don't know what's up with that. I don't know if you want to really... if you want to hear joy, listen to Mark Kermode. Google Mark Kermode minions, and then just like laugh. Hey, I'm glad someone likes those fucking minions. Yeah, yeah, I, I don't hate the first two Despicable Me's, but like I'll never watch them again. And yeah. you you cannot pay me to watch three, so they're mostly forgettable. And like the biggest crime Illumination did was that they made the Lorax. <laughs> Which is just like they shove the Lorax into a Despicable Me shaped hole, right? <laughs> and this is just it, it. Scoob was like taking the worst elements of every animation studio and every major franchise and putting them into one movie. It was just it never stopped, and I made it about an hour. I did not finish the movie, so I don't know if it subverted expectations at some point. If that in the last half hour suddenly it does become about a mystery about a man in a mask, which is never they, there's no investigation. In fact, um, Shaggy, I mean not, not even Shaggy, Velma and Fred 
and Daphne all go off on like their own thing that has nothing to do with the plot, really. <laughs> and they even say at one point, this isn't a man in a mask. <laughs> it's so fucking cute, too. It's that fucking... <laughs> the, the, if, if you thought Rise of Skywalker was bad... <laughs> This is like they can fly now, but it's like every thirty seconds that it's that type of joke again. Also, Mark Wahlberg's in it. Oh, so yeah, it is the worst movie ever made now. As the as the Falcon guy, I don't know that character. I know Dino Mutt, but I don't remember who Dino Mutt shows up and is voiced by uh, Ken Jeong. Okay, see, Ken I like Jeong? Ken Jeong, but then I'm also aware that like he's in Transformers three, and it's like. He's exactly what you think Michael Bay will do with him. And he does kind of tend to get put into roles like that. And it's like, sometimes he goes too big. Uh, so yeah, how is he in this? In, uh, he's in Pain and Gain. Oh, oh my God, I forgot. And he's in uh, in Scoob, though. He's more just like sassy. Okay, because I'm a fan. Like not, I, just, I want him to get a good role again. He's not making jokes about his penis or anything. Okay. Or gayness but it's just or Changnesia yeah and he's just he's very sassy and then Tracy Morgan shows up as Captain Caveman okay so all I remember from the names you brought up apart from the Scooby gang um Mm -hmm. is Dino Mutt I remember Dino Mutt do you remember Dino Mutt showed up on on Dexter's Laboratory well, Dexter's Lab had a bunch of, like, Hanna-Barbera cameos at separate points, yeah. right? But there was, like, a... I remember it being, like, a dark episode of Dexter. And, like, this could be my... Ch- like, I have not revisited this since childhood, so <laughs> for all I know, it was just another goofy episode. But from what I remember, Dynamut, like, got fucking killed. <laughs> like, whoa! Whoa! Like, he got killed by a villain, so... Whatever. I don't even know his name. The Falcon guy shows up to Dexter and be like, I need you to repair... Dynamite. Oh, that's Dexter. right. Okay, I remember that. Wow, yeah. that brought it all back. And so he brings back Dynamite's corpse. And I think like Dexter's like, ah, Dynamite's outdated. I'm gonna make a better Dynamite. And then like that, you know, of course, shit goes awry. And that's more enjoyable than Scoob, of course. <laughs> also, Dynamite talks with like a goofy voice. Like I don't know why they made him like a sassy like. He's because the the Falcon. It's it's not the original Falcon guy. He's the Falcon's son, and he's also a coward. And it's like they're making jokes about a character that no one under the age of fifty remembers. No, it's it's so obviously just that they like tested it, like marketed tested this to be like, well, what's popular? Like what mm. what has trended on the social medias? What it what are in these franchises that people like, people like recognizing recognizing things from the past. People like this music from this era uh, and crossovers. So we we'll just feels do like that. They well, focus there. tested it in two thousand eight. <laughs> That's what it really like. I'm surprised the fucking Numa Numa guy didn't show up at some point. And wow, then it's dance that bad. Something. That's what it, it's it's that bottom of the barrel. It's so cynical. And so hateful in its comedy. And there are no real jokes. It's all just references or like puns or like, 
Like, there's an app for that. Like, it's like... <laughs> it's full of shit like that. There was one joke that made me laugh. And I can't really remember what it was. It was something about Scooby being the one that does Shaggy's taxes. Like, that was the one joke. And I don't remember exactly what it was, because that was when Simon Cowell shows up. Oh, boy. And then he says that they suck or something. Because... <laughs> And then they go like, huh, you see, he's, he's so mean, but he's so charming. Which it's like, no one cares about Simon Cowell anymore. <laughs> but it, it like thinks that, and, he, and he's not a guy who's like evolved into someone who it's like ironic to find enjoyable these days. <laughs> he's not like Gordon Ramsay or like Guy Fieri. Yeah. Like, he's someone who we realized, like, oh, we were watching American Idol because the Iraq War was happening. <laughs> like, that's the only reason we allowed something like that to get popular. <laughs> and we all moved on, except this movie. <laughs> and I think he was the only, unless someone else showed up, he's the only celebrity cameo in it. Which is also something... <laughs> Well, that, that sounds They didn't even bring delicious. Matthew Lillard back to voice Shaggy. But you know what? I'm kind of glad because he's above that, you know? I would have yeah, been nice like, for him to get a nice paycheck at least, but... Yeah, it, it's... It was... It's criminal. The fucking movie's criminal. It's, and I know it's, like, weird to get, like, to... Like, I'm gonna die on the hill of Scooby-Doo. Because <laughs> it's not like Scooby-Doo's, like, this fucking brilliant thing that's, like, a sacred cow or anything. But it... It speaks to the... Th it, it was the best window into the fact that, like, all those people you thought Hollywood might have finally gotten rid of are still there. <laughs> like, all the people who don't understand why the Lego movie was successful. And if you ever read, like, it, I would recommend reading the production history of the Lego movie and all the, like, terrible versions of it that almost happened. Mm. And it's like, all those people are the ones that made Scoo. <laughs> and it was just so awful. It, like, I, I, and I, I just had to bring it up just because it's like, yeah, I, 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 I avoid bad movies as a rule. So it probably isn't the worst movie ever made. There's almost certain, like, I don't watch those disaster movie or date movie movies. Like, movies that aren't even movies, really. <laughs> and so, but, like, of the ones I've seen, only Crash is a worst movie. Wow. Yeah. And it just, it bummed me the fuck out, man, to know that, like, someone could make that movie. Well, you from know? the sound of it, it might not be someone. It might be just, like, algorithms. Yeah, but even then, that's, like, worse. <laughs> This is like, remember that, like, that scene in The Exorcist 3? When, <laughs> <laughs> when George C. Scott describes how the kid from the police boys club was murdered to the priest. <laughs> and it, like, even shakens the police, like, I mean, the priest. <laughs> the priest, he's trying to be like, no, no, God's real, and, like, there's goodness, and we're eternal spirits, and he's like, I, and then George C. Scott, like, I can't, why, how can I believe in a God when this happens? And it's like that. I'm George C. Scott, and I'm the priest. Yes, 
So you're you're gonna get your fucking head cut I, off. I know. I, I didn't want to say it for people that hadn't seen it yet. <laughs> oh, spoilers to the Great Exorcist. That's like fucking fifteen minutes in. That's not really a spoiler. <laughs> but it's, it's it's a good movie. You should all watch it's Exorcist Three. Great movie. Exorcist Three is a great movie. Scoob is the fucking spawn of Satan, <laughs> and it's I gotta like shoot it like. You know, I just gotta put it down and release it. And the best way you can do that is by watching Mystery Incorporated on Netflix currently. Which I will watch after I catch up on my Sydney Lumet. And uh, uh, what the fu- I have to watch the last season of Samurai Jack. As of recording, I'll be watching it tomorrow because it's like the anniversary of its release or something. And uh, did you ever finish it? No, I never saw like saw any of the last season. I saw the first oh, episode really of great. Primal though, which is really good. No, I want to say I haven't seen Primal yet, but yeah, I want to. Yeah, it, uh, um, at Gendy Tartakovsky. Scoob, Scoob has Udo Kier on it as a recurring character. What? Yeah, as a talking bird. And he's great. And uh, Scoob as in Mystery Incorporated? Oh, no, not Scoob. Mystery Incorporated. Okay, I was like, wait. I, 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 I... Ugh. See, see, that's the thing, like, you want to settle, that's why Scoob's the title, because it was fucking focus test, and they feel like Scoob is just the thing people say casually. They knew I would slip up, slip up and say Scoob instead of Mystery Incorporated. Yeah, they're waiting to, for you specifically, Matt Garingo, to make they, that they mistake. Knew. They made this. Yeah. They made this just to fucking get under my skin. Yeah, and now they're like, we're, he's onto us. <laughs> and not to, not to give into corporate shit, I also watched a movie called The Girl Who Leapt Through Time. I watched that last night, and it was, it's another animated film, um, and it was so good, <laughs> and made me really sad, <laughs> and it was like a little, little beautiful, little like kind of science fiction fantasy story, coming of age story, and it just shows you what animation could be, <laughs> if we can wrestle it out of the hands of the people who made Scoob. <laughs> And now that we're half an hour into this recording, let's talk Anything about goes. Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom. <laughs> Matt, do you remember the first time you watched Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom? No. Me neither, actually. Actually, no, that's not true. Oh, okay. Well, I'm uh, serious. I don't remember. I, I just knew it would be funny to say that. Okay. Uh, <laughs> all right. It's where my dad hates this movie. Mm-hmm. So as a child, he only owned Raiders of the Lost Ark. And uh, Last Crusade. So those are the only two I saw for a long time. And then one, I believe, uh, summer I was visiting my grandparents and went to California Video. And I rented Temple of Doom and that's when I saw it for the first time. Hmm. I might have rented it from Hollywood Video. I used to rent the Young Indiana Jones a lot. Hmm. More than the movies, actually. Uh, All right. Yeah. Young Indiana Jones. Don't know what that's about. The all right. The best thing about Young Indiana Jones was that it, it every episode was bookended by a hundred year old Indiana Jones. Uh, not in the versions I saw. Yeah, that's the thing. They edited him out. Uh huh. Like, what was that about? I don't know. I, I think they, they wanted to make thought... them more like like little films so they could sell them to I think the plan was that George Lucas wanted to sell them to like schools because they they were quote unquote educational <laughs> you know mm. he wanted to like inform kids of like the the world history and stuff and he's like trying to 
It was like when Jim Henson was like trying to be like, I'm gonna make a TV show that brings about world peace. <laughs> Kinda, yeah. Yeah. Um but yeah, um I don't I guess that did not take off. No, no, but I, I, I like it. Um anyways, that's not the point of this podcast. The uh the point is that uh, the development of this is um not not like crazy, just I think everyone knows at this point that George Lucas and Steven Spielberg were kind of in a weird place in their lives. And yeah, both uh, go, both going through divorces. Yeah, and then both men would later attribute the film's tone to their their moods and their breakups of relationships. And quite frankly, you can that's, basically feel this film being directed by Steven Spielberg's erect penis. That's a real healthy way to respond to a divorce. Yeah. <laughs> It's, although, I can't really knock him when every James Cameron movie, you can tell when he's divor- when he's going through a divorce or when he's married. <laughs> like, every James Cameron movie has that vibe. I think that's why most people, or a lot of, a lot of people find Avatar kind of dull on rewatch. Yeah, that, you, you know what? I think you hit the nail on the head. He was in a healthy <laughs> place emotionally, and that's a problem. Yeah, the only one where <laughs> he's good. not either angry at his wife or divorcing his wife. <laughs> Jesus. Uh, wow, all right. Yeah. Um, that, that We suddenly cracked why Avatar sucks. <laughs> no, no, Avatar's good. I'm just saying, no, no, like, it's, it's, it's the... Avatar's fine. Yeah, it's it is not a bad movie. Sometimes you just need something simple and clean like that, you know. But anyways, yeah, it's just it's Avatar is unfortunate where it's like it's the highest grossing film of all time and was like the most expensive film ever made when it came out. Yeah, so everyone's and, like that one. And you're like, that's it. Like it really does not to those expectations. It does not live up to. Yeah, yeah. I, I think time has been very kind to it. At well, least. I think the sequels will be the ultimate deciding factor. Yeah, yeah. Never never doubt James Cameron. But who you should doubt sometimes are George Lucas and Steven Spielberg. Yeah. Um, so when initially directing uh, Raiders of the Lost Ark, George Lucas approached Spielberg and said that if he directed the first one, he would have to direct a trilogy. And Spielberg yeah. said that Lucas had three stories in mind. But it turned out that George Lucas did not actually have three stories yeah, in George mind. Was lying. George was lying, and they had to make <laughs> up stories along the way. Do you know about any of those um, before they settled on Temple of Doom? I don't know. The, I know the ones between Temple of Doom and Last Crusade, but I don't know the ones between Raiders and Temple of Doom. Okay, I, I don't know about those yet, so that'll be fun to talk about. But um, this one was decided that it would have to be a dark film because Lucas was like, oh, you know, that worked out for Empire Strikes Back. The second dark act of the trilogy, or whatever the fuck, right? Uh, I don't think it's a bad way to go about it, but maybe not everything needs to be that way. <laughs> yeah, maybe not for Indiana Jones. Yeah. <laughs> also, uh, hold on. Let's just say that not not only do fans misunderstand Empire Strikes Back, but the guy who created Star Wars <laughs> appeared to misunderstand why Empire Strikes Back is so good. Yeah, not not everything needs a dark middle chapter. Um, yeah, Spielberg wanted to bring Marion Ravenwood back, and uh, the the film was decided to be set a year earlier, so they wouldn't have to reuse Nazis as the villain. And then uh, they mm. were like, "Oh, maybe Abner Ravenwood can be a character this time." And then that didn't really pan out. Obviously, uh, Lucas conceived a story that would have had a motorcycle chase on the Great Wall of China, followed by the discovery of a lost world pastiche 
with a hidden valley inhabited by dinosaurs. Another idea was going to feature the Monkey King or something like that. Mm-hmm. And then China... I know the Monkey King idea. Yeah, and then China was like, we're not letting you shoot here. <laughs> so, so then they were like, fine, we'll do something else. And this well, was, that was when China was like really against that kind of stuff. I think so, yeah. And like, is this isn't like the last emperor of the first movie where they're like, we're going to let you film at Chinese landmarks. I think so. Yeah. Uh, and then this but, is, the, there was another treatment that I think is the most popular unmade Indiana Jones film, apart from like Darabont's Crystal Skull, where uh, mm. it involved a haunted castle in Scotland. Oh, I thought that was the Last Crusade one. It originally was here, and then I think Lucas... I, I don't know, I might be wrong, but I think Lucas wanted to, like... Okay, we'll save that for the third one. <laughs> but that did well, not from, happen then, either. From what I heard was... I, here's my line up more, because I remember that one of the reasons Spielberg didn't want to do The Haunted Castle is because he had, quote-unquote, just done Poltergeist. Wow. So <laughs> the, the way yeah. it's phrased is like, oh wait, that, yeah, that I, which I believe is the actual quote from George Lucas, and uh, but I had heard that like part of it was, you know, George Lucas was was actually kind of in like a difficult financial spot. <laughs> <laughs> um, we we talk about on the Star Wars ones how those movies didn't like they they kind of cost more than they should have. And they like runaway costs, and then like he never made as much as he wanted, and then he got divorced. Mm. And then Skywalker Ranch was like too advanced for like any filmmakers to really use for almost a decade. Like it was like all these things were backfiring at once. So I know that he was trying to find ways to like cut costs, and one of those ways was to be like, let's set the movie in one location. Um, and I guess that pans out here because that's why we're kind of stuck in this Temple of Doom for most of the movie. Yeah, which I want to say, I I don't hate the setting of this film. But I will say, just, just up front, um, this is probably one of the best shot, ugliest movies ever made. Yeah. <laughs> it is a hor- – like, I, I like this movie. I do not begrudge anyone who's like, I never want to sit through that again because it's a really – mean, ugly, prejudiced film, I think. Yeah. I do not like the racism, um, but not not to, you know, not to, like, pat myself on the back. Yeah, like, but, oh, congrats for jumping that low bar. Yeah, uh, but I kind of enjoy how fucking violent and mean this movie is. I do too. Because Spielberg, like, like, only a Kate, like, it's weird, like, he definitely gets Spielberg gets mean occasionally, but it's like the weirdest movies where he does. Yeah, and so it's always for me it's kind of fun. And this is uh, the last time I think he ever really did violence for spectacle. You know? Yeah. Like he does violence going into the future, but like after Schindler's List, it's like all violence is just horrific. <laughs> yeah, here it's like so cruel and mean. And just violent and frightening. And that's all the stuff I like about this movie. Uh, this might uh, have some of the best, like, visual storytelling in his action sequences. Like, the set pieces oh, yeah. are spectacular. Like, from the get-go, the, just hits you with, like, this amazing number, you know? Yeah, the opening dance number is great, which is, like, that's where, it, like, watching it now is like, oh, man, I cannot wait for West Side Story. Yeah. 
and it's just yeah like it it's this one feels a lot more like where they talk about how raiders was like they kind of just came up with a bunch of action action scenes and strung them together and this one feels more like that than raiders did oh it totally does and the cool one here is that they went like well once we get the temple the temple of doom we're just going to do tons of crazy shit in the temple <laughs> and that's where the movie really shines i think after the plane crash sequence and until they end up in the temple, the movie really drags. It really does. And it's just, it's very white savory, which all the Indiana Jones kind of are. But this oh, yeah. one, it is just like blatant, like no well, forethought one, whatsoever. I, this one actually got a little interesting for me where it feels like this is Indiana Jones before he's like, a more ethical archaeologist not that he ever totally was yeah like he's always stealing artifacts but like this one he's straight up doing it to get a diamond mm-hmm. you know like this one he's the opening sequence he's trading a dude's ashes <laughs> for a diamond which is not a great thing to do mm-hmm. i mean I'll, I'll give indian jones credit those guys definitely seemed like a bunch of assholes but he was still, you know, that wasn't a real, like, it belongs in a museum moment. <laughs> yeah, total, we'll, we'll get to that, but talk about a 180, you know, in terms and of I tone. And I think that as a prequel, this is trying to be this, the story where it's like Indiana Jones, he understands the value of, like, he learns to understand the value of artifacts to their people, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah, there's uh, some background on the writing of this film, which I don't think is great, but um, even Lawrence Kasdan has this quote where he's like, I just thought it was horrible. It's so mean. I didn't want to be associated with Temple of Doom. There's nothing pleasant about it, and I think it presents a chaotic period in both Lucas and Spielberg's lives, and the movie is just very ugly and mean-spirited. So he really did not like it. Um, So George Lucas hired Willard Hutt, Willard, Willard Hike. Willard Hike. There you. Thank you. And Gloria Katz to write the script because her knowledge of Indian culture. Um, and and uh, listeners of this retrospective will remember them from popping up occasionally in the Star Wars retrospective. They were two of the uncredited writers on uh, Star Wars. And if the Close Encounters episode is out finally, <laughs> I believe they also did some uncredited writing on close encounters yes and um they were they spent four days at skywalker ranch just doing uh, story discussions with uh, lucas and spielberg uh prior to the the filming and that the the plot would need to consist of two notions from george lucas that indy would recover something stolen from a village and he has to decide whether or not to give it back and that it would start in china while working its way through india those are the two things now, watching the film as a whole, it's very clear that it is really just those two things. But I, I don't think that's like a, a bad jumping off point. But really, but like this, like you said, this really does feel like set pieces strung together by like bare minimum. Does Indy really have like a moral debate about returning the thing? Uh, no, he doesn't. And I think this film sorely needs it. Yeah. Well, this, this movie, it's so like it, it is something where... I think a big problem with this movie is that they try, but the Temple of Doom is not intimidating until you get there, you know? Mm-hmm. 
Like, there's no real suspense or build-up, whereas Raiders of the Lost Ark, there's something scary about, like, just even talking about the Ark. <laughs> like, the whole movie, like, anytime they even mention it, like, shit goes crazy. Mm-hmm. And here it's like, they're, they're, we don't even know where, like, why would Indy be weirded out? Like, we don't know what we're going towards. Yeah, I, I like I that there's it's... a mystery kind of, like, this stranger in a strange land element, but then you get into, like, all this Orientalism and, and bullshit yeah. that's, like, really gross. And then a part of me is also, like, well, I kind of like that it's not that scary. It is kind of like a funhouse movie at times. But then again, that's just, like, straight up, like, racism in the text of the film. Yeah. So it's, like, I'm trying to enjoy this nice cold beer, but there's a bee in it. <laughs> so... <Yeah. laughs> And then you re- you keep trying to enjoy other things, but there's more bees in them. <laughs> so so it's like that. It's like that really culturally sensitive dinner scene that happens at the palace. Oh, and then that is just like that's not even fun. Like wow, they got away with that. Like that's that's just bad. Yeah, that's an insane scene. <laughs> yeah, like Jesus Christ. And to a point where I have heard people defend this movie as like. They're trying to be, like, satirical. I've heard that defense of this movie. And I just... I, I, whatever, I just don't see that at all. I, I definitely don't either. And if it is, it's bad satire. Because <laughs> you know who did not pick up on the satire of this movie? Eight-year-old me watching it. <laughs> I, I thought so you were going like, to have a story with it. No, I mean, well, it's just, you know, I'm eight-year-old. I'm, I'm white. I'm from suburban New York, <laughs> upper state New York. Did not meet a person from India until middle school. <laughs> you know? Mm-hmm. Like, I, you don't have... Like, I'll be... I was. I think I was fairly lucky. Being in New York, I had a fairly liberal school district that did, worked very hard to be like, oh, we're all inclusive and let's learn about all the different cultures of the world and all that stuff. And I'm pretty sure I learned probably some very, like, infantilizing racism. <laughs> but I also didn't learn enough to put together that, oh, hey, this movie's kind of racist until it was pointed out to me by, like, a friend in college. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Like, I just, because if you just, if you aren't told to, like, look for it, you're not going to see it. <laughs> And then you either react two ways, which you're like, oh, yeah, I guess it is kind of racist, or no, everything from my childhood is perfect. Yeah. <laughs> like, we've talked about that a lot. Just just be willing to acknowledge that stuff is worth discussing. There's nuance. You can like things that are problematic, but don't just, like, uphold yeah. it to this perfect standard. Don't shut out people's complaints of it, especially if it is not about your cultural history in particular. Yeah. Um, oh, there was a there was a, a, an idea initially for the um, the the sidekick character. We all know the character is now short round, but initially it was going to be, according to George Lucas's initial idea, a young virginal princess. But um, Hike, Katz, mm. and Spielberg were like, mm. "No, thank you." <laughs> um, <laughs> hey, George. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Oh, okay then. 
Um, not not that's a great a weird track one, record. Buddy. That oh yeah, that's no, a, that's that's weird. a weird one, buddy. Mm-hmm. Not a great track I record with you... these women in these films. Yeah, um... uh, Marion Ravenwood rises above rises above it, but like that's like a miracle, and the history of the character is still weird. So yeah, yeah, Marion uh... Ravenwood rises above it, even though she was in an underage relationship with Indiana Jones. Yeah, it's not 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 great, George. What the fuck, dude? Um, I mean, to be fair to George, he is—he has always tried very hard. From what I understand, he's always been the one that's like, "I want one of—I want Indy's sidekick to be a woman." Like he's been big on that for whatever reason, because <laughs> he seems to try and do it. Like this one, what we get is not that. But you mm-hmm. have Marion Ravenwood in the first movie. Um, you have the woman who's secretly a Nazi. <laughs> And then I, from what I understand, his original pitch for Crystal Skull was that he wanted Indiana Jones to have a daughter he didn't know, and as opposed to a son. Mm. And Spielberg was Spielberg was the one who said no to that, which is how we ended up with Mutt Williams or whatever his name was. Yeah, Mutt, Mutt Williams. We'll we'll get to that eventually. Uh, and here's something I just discovered, uh, like really, really recently, like right now, uh, that. Lucas, Hike, and Katz had been developing Radioland Murder since the early 1970s. I really yeah. like that movie, uh, so that just makes me happy. <laughs> I don't know if you've seen it. There's a hysterical contract George Lucas signs where he's, he, he promises to make two movies, which are like Star Wars and the Radioland Murders. <laughs> <laughs> it's like those were the ones that he sold. <laughs> One is going to be the the biggest franchise of all time. The other is a movie no one remembers that took fucking twenty years to get made. <laughs> Only I remember it, and I don't care. It's it's solid. It's a solid also, little movie. A movie not on Disney Plus for some reason. That's weird. It's it, it. There's like obviously murder in it, but it's not even yeah. like like these are going to end up on Disney Plus at some point. And these are like, like Temple of no, Doom is vicious. No, they're not going to end up on Disney Plus. Oh no. From what I understand, Disney Plus did, like, they did a weird thing where they tested it in, like, the Netherlands or something. And the Netherlands version had, like, every movie that Disney owns on it, right? Right. And then they just started, like, removing stuff based on, like, complaints they got. Wow. Like, they were testing the boundaries of, like, what they could put on Disney Plus. And which is why like Adventures in Babysitting isn't on there because it's like that's like a PG thirteen movie, and I believe that got like some complaints from parents. Huh. And from what I understand, I guess that anything that's not going to go on Disney Plus is going to go on Hulu at, at least right now. Oh yeah, yeah, that's right. They own that too. Holy fuck! Because all the Indiana Jones movies are on Hulu currently, I believe. Uh, they're they're on Netflix actually. They might be on Hulu too, oh. but they're they're definitely on Netflix. That's how I rewatch this, and I own it. I just was too lazy to put the disc in. <laughs> yeah. I watched my DVD, um, and it looked a little weird. Maybe I should stream it instead. But something something went wrong with a lot of like the classic Spielberg movies getting transferred to DVD and Blu-ray. Like they don't look great. Yeah, I don't know what that is. I mean, especially the Jaws Blu-ray just does not look right. And, which is weird because I believe that like the Jaws DVD was like a big deal when that happened, and like Spielberg was like very hands on. So I don't know what happened <laughs> in between the transfers. Isn't that getting a 4K transfer soon too? Oh boy! 
Is that can't wait <laughs> to have to buy a 4K TV? I guess I don't fucking know. Yeah. <laughs> um. Oh, okay. And... I gotta be honest. I'm not smart enough to talk about this. 4K seems like a bit of a scam to me. Uh, 4K. If you if I don't have the right TV for like full 4K, I have like like mm. like uh like 3K. I don't know what what's those, what's no that's an actual thing. Never mind. I was trying to make a joke. But I, I have like a, a, a solid TV that that can play really good Blu-rays, right? Uh, 4K from from what I've seen, uh, I think the quality is better with sound. I think you can get by by just owning Blu-rays. I think 4K, unless they're managed really well, drains the color from the image a lot of the time. Mm. I see that a lot, and I don't hear a lot of people talk about it. Like the Manhunter release that that Shout Factory did, or whatever. I think that yeah. I, I I I do not like that one. My iTunes version, mm. I think, is the most like pristine version of it <laughs> in terms of like keeping the that's original nice. colors. Yeah, that's insane. Um, I compared yeah. some of the images of that, and I, I don't know. Four K, I think, some of these Michael Mann would be more hands on with something like that. But I guess like Manhunter is the one. That he doesn't really have any like stake in anymore. Yeah, he's like, I did enough on there. You know, it's like it's not like Black Hat where he like keeps going back to it. <laughs> or he's like, let's just take the scene from the middle of the movie and put it at the beginning with no explanation. Yeah, he's he's a madman, and I I appreciate him. Um, and like every version of Heat is different. Really, like, every every version he does like little tweaks here and there. Okay, I haven't noticed. I'm I'm a fake fan. It, I don't know. I honestly, I don't notice either. Like, I had to like read up on it. To, like, oh, okay. Them. Like, that's okay. how small the changes are. But he's right. always tweaking them. Mm. And yeah, so I don't know because I was I, I recently, uh, I might have dropped some money on a new computer recently, <laughs> and I was looking at monitors, and a friend of mine was like, "Gotta get 4K, gotta get 4K," and I'm like, "Dude, they're like the cheapest one is like eight hundred dollars." <laughs> And it's like, and it's just, it doesn't look that much better. And I'm probably going to use my computer at most to watch some movies and play Roller Coaster Tycoon. <laughs> <laughs> like, I don't need, and the guy's like, nah, you got to get 4K. And Yeah, I, I don't, I think 4K is still a work in progress, honestly. And I know people get really defensive about that, but I don't know. I, I don't, I don't see it yet. Uh, and I know Christopher we'll Nolan, or at least Wally Fister, at least, was complaining about the 4K on Batman Begins. Because like mm. it, it like really crushed the blacks or something like that, and like the colors are off a little bit, and those are people that obviously take it very seriously with the transfers. But that could be—is he complaining? Like, is he like I tried to work with it and it didn't work, or is he like Warner Brothers didn't consult us and just like slapped it onto 4K? Uh, I actually don't know, but I think Cause I feel they like advised because like they they did a an IMAX version of Batman Begins for the the trilogy. When Dark Knight Rises came out, right? And I think they were consulted mm. on that. So, like, if they used that, I bet that would have transferred okay to 4K. But it, mm. I guess not. Yeah, well, it's it's so weird when you read a, like... Like, if these studios, if they took, like, a basic effort into just fixing, like, little things wrong with their streaming services or their, like, DVD releases, they would be so much better. But, like, the studios just won't do it. I mean, like, Simpsons is still fucked up on Disney+. Plus. They were supposed to fix that already, weren't they? Yeah, and it's it's still fucked up. And it's, it's just ridiculous. Yeah. Idiots. Um, to bring it back, do you, do you know where Willard Hike and Gloria Katz ended up? I do not. They directed Howard the Duck. 
Well, the first entry in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Well, you know, some people enjoy it, and that's what matters. Yeah, you know who didn't enjoy it? Uh, the people in the Universal. Sid Sheinberg of Universal, who is. apparently got into a fist fight <laughs> over Howard the Duck in his office. <laughs> <laughs> Urban legend is that the when the box office returns came in, they were so bad that Sid Sheinberg, and I can't remember the other guy's name, uh, Ned Tannen, I believe, who is the basis for Biff Tannen <laughs> in Back to the Future... Um, they got in a fist fight over it. Delightful. Speaking of arguments over production and outcomes, uh, the filmmakers were also denied permission to shoot in North India because the government looked at the script and they were like, you're out of your fucking mind if you think we're going to support this. Yeah. <laughs> so, Can you imagine being told by a country that like we think your film is racist and then being like, well, we just won't film there. <laughs> Well, it's not a great look for them. You know what's 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 but always bugged me about Indiana Jones is that like you probably you definitely couldn't fix all of this. You know, there's always going to be problems with this story, but there's so much talk about the British Empire in this movie. <laughs> you could easily have the British Empire be the one secretly controlling the thuggy cult beneath the palace, you know? Yeah, I think we talked about that before, and I completely stand by it. I think that's what this film needs. It needs... Especially when the British army captain that's in the movie is played by fucking Delbert Grady from The Shining. <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah, that guy could be the villain. Yeah, like... Uh, instead, it's the, it's, it's the Indian guy who went to Oxford... Oh yeah, which, is, which almost feels like a subtle way of being like, even the well-spoken ones are evil, you know? <laughs> that that totally doesn't work at all. And honestly, I think the film would just get more exciting that way, you know? And like, th yeah. this might be like hindsight twenty twenty, but like, if the government of the country you want to shoot in, like you said, is telling you, "Hey, this is racist," you might want to listen to them. Yeah, you might want to at least try and fix it a little bit. Yeah, because I understand at some point. When you're doing these big movies, like, I sympathize with the fact that, like, at, at some point the ball starts rolling and, like, you can't stop. Yeah, yeah. And so, you like, you have to make this movie. And, but, yeah, maybe change it a little bit. Yeah, because, like, okay, imagine the setup. The same, the same setup, everything, China, the jumping out of the airplane, all that ridiculous shit. Um... We'll talk about Willie in a bit, but let's, let's just hear me out for a second. And, and short round, of course. Uh, then they land in the village, and like, oh, like, uh, please help us, the Temple of Doom set up, yada yada. Then they go there, and they expect some big scary thing, right? And then it's just like a bunch of uh, British Empire dudes kicking it, and they're like, no, we just t took up residence in this, we're trying to blah 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 um, set up an establishment here. Maybe build a hotel or something. I don't know. And then, um, well, it's it's before it's it's like right at the beginnings of the Second World War. So maybe they're like you know checking in on their empire to be like, hey, we're gonna need you guys to fight for us eventually. Yeah. Oh, that would have been good. 
And then, mm-hmm. you know, the revelation is that, oh, they're taking the kids. There is no cult. They're just, like, like there's magic and stuff still. But, like, basically they're... They're, they're the, after... They're after the stones because they want to use them against the Nazis, which is like kind of like an inverse of Raiders. Yeah, you know, I mean, I'm sure that's not like going to track all the way through the film, but like, whatever. That's something, well, right? And then it's like, it's oh, perfect. They're, 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 they're poisoning the land, you know? Mm. And they're ruining these people's lives. And then that's the conflict Indy has to have. So not only does he have to like basically <laughs> fight against his own white people, but he has to like learn to... to Give the people back their history. You know, it's, it doesn't belong yeah. to him. I think the better version, like, you, can, I, I think that we've just kind of aged out of doing stories like this. Yeah, which is probably for like, the best. The better version of this is something like Princess Mononoke, you know? Oh, yeah, that's where, just a fucking, like, perfect film. Where it's, like, all these different, like, p- people, like, various power structures, like, fighting against each other. And everyone... With, like, basically good moral reasons to be doing what they're doing. And, you know, positive and negative, you know, consequences to their actions. And then, like, how that can just spin out of control or something, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, that's that's much better than, like, this where it's just like, oh, there's an evil dude. <laughs> oh, okay, you know what else, things. actually? does a really good job of a story like this, and it's very clearly aping Indiana Jones. Uh, Laika's Missing Link, which was severely slept on last year, and I think is actually a really great film. If you want to study, like, color, like the use of color in film, Mm -hmm. uh, Missing Link is is fantastic at that, like the whole film. Missing Link is is really good. It's a shame. I think the problem with that movie is that it's, like, a very strong, like, B-plus you know, mm-hmm. and like it really needed like another A plus film. <laughs> yeah, yeah, maybe, but like it's it, it is just so slept on. If you haven't seen Missing Link, yeah. please, please watch it. It's really good and um, deals with stuff what? we're complaining about like yeah. much better than well, I think at least two Indiana about, Jones like, films. Did you see Missing Link in theaters? No. Yeah, I did either, and yeah. like I was all in on Team Leica. <laughs> yeah, me too. Like that's, I think that says something about that movie. Yeah, uh, but. not to drag people that are obviously suffering financially at this time, but uh, Annapurna Pictures inked a deal with Leica to produce or to to uh, like market their films and release them. And Annapurna Pictures basically is like bombing, like really bad yeah. at that. So that's a bummer. I that's hope Netflix shame. or someone like buys out Leica because they're they're too good to let them like fade away. What is, is, are they like, is Annapura, is, I can't even say the fucking name. Are they, how are they doing right now? Oh, they're doing better than Leica. <laughs> <laughs> but I don't know if they're like on fire. Like they just had a, oh God, like, like they, they released Barry Jenkins' film, the, not Moonlight, the one he followed up with. The... Oh, and the, are they the reasons why that movie played fucking nowhere? Probably. Uh, do you know what else they released last year? I know they did Vice. Oh, okay. Well, that explains uh, that too. Um, um, which did Vice not do well? It, I think it did okay, but like compared to the Big Short, you know, which did like was like a huge hit, not yeah. not nearly as much. Um. Oh shit! I can't even remember. Booksmart. 
They did Booksmart too. Oh, they released and Booksmart. Booksmart bombed. Book, yeah, right? Booksmart made like its money back, but people were expecting like a super bad level hit. Yeah. So that's that's too bad. So uh, Annapurna, like, get it together. I like, I like Booksmart. I do too. I liked it uh, a lot. Not like a great movie, but like it's yeah, it's like a very solid, fine comedy, and. I, but, yeah. I was really surprised by how good of a director Olivia Wilde is. I think she has some really strong sequences in that. And it does yeah, it yeah. does have a little bit of a white feminism thingy, obviously, but yeah, whatever. Little, that was like, it started strong with that, which like didn't put me in a great mood. Yeah. <laughs> but it, it quickly dumped it, so. Yeah. And then that cast is just really good. I like that cast a lot. Yeah, that was, I, I, I liked that movie. Um I think people should give that movie more credit, I guess. Yeah. Uh, Missing Link, I think, is better. But whatever. I'm not here to talk about Missing Link all the way through this. Uh, Temple of Doom. I guess another fun fact was that it was originally called Indiana Jones and the Temple of Death. Hey, now. <laughs> I, don't know, I don't know if that's any better or worse than Temple of Doom to represent well, you know the entire I, country of India. What I, I what I like about the title Temple of Doom is that it's like very cartoony because this is a very cartoony film. At oh the end yeah! Of the day. Oh yeah! And I think one of my problems is I want the movie to be like, oh, we're gonna go to the Temple of Doom, but then like when you get to the Temple of Doom, it's you like regret it. <laughs> it kind of like in a way that you know, I comparison like. Do you remember like how War of the Worlds was hyped as like an action movie? Yeah. And it was like Spielberg, Tom Cruise, War of the Worlds, and then you watch it, and it's like a fucking nightmare. <laughs> like I kind of want Temple of Doom to be a little bit like that, and it 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 gets there in like the misery department, <laughs> but not like being scary. Like I want the Temple of Doom to be like really scary, and it's not that frightening. Yeah, like, like I said, it's, it's a funhouse movie, which is still Although the wrong approach. That guy, he pulls that guy's heart out. Funhouse. It's kind of like, the, yeah, it's kind of like the haunted mansion. Yeah, not the movie Haunted Mansion, the ride, the yeah. haunted mansion. Uh, it, which is a which is a ride that's just like a goofy little ride with like ghosts and they sing and like oh you got hitchhiking ghosts, <laughs> but the start of that ride is a dead body hanging from the ceiling. <laughs> Which, every time I go on it, children start crying. (laughs) (laughs) That's pretty great. Um, Temple of Doom. Temple of Doom. Uh, Not as good as Poltergeist, which is a great funhouse horror movie. Yeah. Maybe maybe Toby Hooper should have done it. Yeah, Toby Hooper. It sounds weird to me. I'm sorry. I know that's the right way to pronounce it now, but I just uh, don't get it. Listen, I fucking told you, motherfucker. Uh, okay, but like, whatever. It's it's done. I will work on it. I'll work on it. Um, Are we gonna talk about Willie Scott? Oh yeah. I'm I'm not a fan. She works at Club Obi Wan. Oh, get it? Because it's, it's Star a Wars. A subtle nod to the Star Wars films. <laughs> um, another reminder that Steven Spielberg should have directed Return of the Jedi instead of this. But whatever. Yep. That's my feeling until the day I die, probably. Uh, Kate Capshaw, innocent? She's fine. She's She gives a good performance for a terribly written character. 
Uh, I, I think I've talked about it before, but like my mom was a big influence on my film viewing when I was growing up. And, um, and she's got six sisters, and they're all Indiana Jones fans. Can you guess which one they're not a fan of? Temple of Doom? Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, boy. Yeah. No. Um, not to make generalizations, but I think if you're a woman, this is probably going to be your least favorite Indiana Jones movie. Yeah. Because Willie Scott just screams a lot. Mm-hmm. And uh, never, like, comes together as like a heroic person you know yeah or she's just kind of the butt of the joke the whole time and just loses more clothing throughout the entire film like once you notice that it's like oh you expect her to just be she's the type of character where you expect there to be a moment where she like all right she's gonna rise to the occasion and do like the right thing in this one moment and she never really does that (sighs) i drink my water Sorry, Willie Scott. I literally could not remember her name um, until I rewatched the movie. I was like, who is... I, I remember Kate Capshaw, but I could not remember Willie Scott's name. And not that that's like a, a barometer of like the quality of the character or in like indicative of the film, but I don't know. Like I'll remember Marion Ravenwood forever. Um, and I, I, I forget about Willie Scott. And that's too bad because that could have been a fun character too. Like... Someone who's dragged along this horrific nightmare adventure. Yeah. Uh, but well, no. That's why, like, again, I want, like, the Temple Doom to actually be scary because, like, she would totally work in that situation. Mm-hmm. You know, where it's like, oh, it's like monsters and ghosts and shit like that. Mm. And, like, her running around being, like, kind of like a, like a Fay Ray type screaming and shit. Mm-hmm. Like, that would be really good. But she's just kind of like, we 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 just want the women in our lives to shut the fuck up. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> seems to seems to be the message. Uh, um, also co-starring is Jonathan Ki Kwan, uh, who was credited by his birth name Ki Hu Kwan as Short Round, the Chinese sidekick. Is he still acting? Uh, I don't think so. Let me check. At least not. No, no, he's not. In nothing, like, of any note, I guess. Uh, no. There's something in post-production called Everything, Everywhere, All at Once. But the hmm. last credit I see on his Wikipedia, so sorry, I'm not on even IMDb, is something called Second Time Around. It's a 2002 Hong Kong film. That's all it says. <laughs> well, hope he's doing all right. Yeah, me too. I, I, I like uh, him in this uh short round i could see also raising some red flags in the racism department though (laughs) that's that's what i got in short round i like short round yeah here's something weird though all right again maybe i should have done some more research beforehand (laughs) um again the story with this is always uh that they were both going through divorces at the time of making this. But on Wikipedia, it says Spielberg did not get to officially divorced from Amy Irving until 1989. Oh. Maybe, like, that could mean anything. That just means they didn't sign the papers. Oh, yeah, yeah. Maybe they were just, like, on the outs, you know? Mm-hmm. And, I mean, like, a big... A big... Uh, a big uh, 
part of the the famous Spielberg Amy Irving divorce is that they I believe the story is that they had written a prenup on a napkin before getting married and the judge threw it out and Amy Irving got like a huge payout from the divorce wow so which that maybe is what he was going through at the time mm. So maybe that dragged things out for a little bit. Well, that's disappointing. Spielberg, as of 2020, is worth $3.6 billion. Oh, I'm not feeling sorry for him. I'm just saying, like, the situation is uh, uh, yeah, is, it's just, a bummer. It's, I just found that very funny. It's just... What, what the hell could... Sp- just looking at Spielberg, it's like there's no way this guy would have been successful anywhere but filmmaking. Yeah, I, I don't know what else he, he does. He makes movies all the time. Even Michael Mann doesn't make movies all the time, although I think that might yeah. be more of a cautionary approach on the production side of things. I mean, the fact that, like, Black Hat somehow cost, like, over $100 million and made, like, 30 cents. Yeah. Actually, wait, I think he shot it for, like, $70 million. Because, like, his movies look way bigger than their budgets, which is, like, incredible. Mm-hmm. Black Hat's the only one where it looks like it cost as much as it cost. <laughs> 70 million. Yeah. Yeah. That's, How much that's, of that do you think went to all the, like, CGI for, like, the inside of computers? Uh, a lot. <laughs> a lot Black Hat, of it. I know this has nothing to do with Black Hat's an insane movie. Oh yeah, no, no. It's there is exactly zero commercial elements in Black Hat. Uh, Chris Hemsworth. This was like this is between the first two Avengers films, so I'm pretty sure as soon as Hemsworth signed on, it was like hell yeah, we got an Avenger in our movie. You know, we're printing money. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, basically. So, and now this is movie where he's gonna. The villain's just gonna be like a, a a fat guy in a Hawaiian shirt. Yeah, who looks like Will Graham? Who <laughs> looks like he rolled out of bed and <laughs> just started hacking the planet? And the thrilling final shootout showdown that Michael Mann is infamous for ends with um, him stabbing that man in the chest like five times really fast. And then yeah, that's like it. you you can't. You're, like, as confused as everyone there. Yeah, but you're also kind of like, this fucking rules. Yeah, no, it's... I love it, but it's like... (laughs) No one in their right mind should have given this $70 million. Excuse me, I'm laughing. Um, Yeah, no, I don't don't understand. Shout out to Michael Mann for uh, uh, just, just keep on trying to make movies that... Good, good luck with whatever the fuck is probably happening with Tokyo Vice right now. Oh, yeah. Well, I don't know. <laughs> well, I mean, everything's <laughs> shut down because of COVID, right? Yeah, yeah. So who knows when they're going to be able to go back. Mm-hmm. I think some people are but saying, were like, like, oh, August. It'll, it'll be August. And it's like, I, I don't want to be the bearer of bad news. Hopefully it'll go better than that show where they kept getting horses killed for some reason. Yeah. Uh, I heard that show is pretty good, but I haven't I haven't seen it. Yeah, but you, I just like, can you imagine? <laughs> it's like, we got this new hit show, but we got to cancel it. Why? We fucking killed too many horses. <laughs> 
that doesn't make any sense. No, it doesn't. <laughs> like at that point, it's like, okay, what are you doing with those horses? <laughs> yeah, like what? Are you giving them cyanide? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> are you killing them after each episode wraps? Like what the hell? Yeah, like, well, no one's gonna want this anymore. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Oh boy! Oh, oh Dennis Farina was on that show. Oh, uh, good actor. Good toast actor to the great Dennis Farina. Yeah, who was not in Temple who of Doom? Like who was like a real life cop before Michael Mann found him? Yeah. Yep. 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 <laughs> Michael Mann has like a history of finding real life cops and real life criminals to put in his movies. Yeah, and then they become actors. <laughs> So, like, that's fucking perfect that he worked with Danny Trejo on a heat. Like, yeah. that's just, like, right there. And the and fucking, <laughs> I think the funny thing about heat is that the one guy in that movie that isn't a criminal is Tom Sizemore. <laughs> well. <laughs> who, who, who is, like, not guilty at the time. <laughs> like, at the time is a classically trained actor. <laughs> I think working with Michael Mann, arguably, is what drove him down the path of becoming a real criminal. No, no, I, uh, allegedly, there are things that are, are, like, very, very bad that are not... Oh, no, there are tons of bad things. <laughs> yeah. Allegedly, but, yeah. Bad things. I, I, I have no remorse for whatever happens to that man. I, uh, I, when uh, tw the Twin Peaks The Return was out, um, I, I posted a tweet that said, Twin Peaks seems like the exact place for people like Jim Belushi and Tom Sizemore to show up. And Tom Sizemore retweeted it. Well, at least he dies in heat. <laughs> <laughs> shot in the face. Yep. He gets shot in every movie I think I've seen him in. Oh my god. That might actually be the case. <laughs> oh, that's pretty good. That's pretty. I mean, feel and better. he's like Tom. He's like Tom Hanks' right hand man in Saving Private Ryan. Oh yeah, where he's like he's the calm, reasonable one of the team. <laughs> wow, <laughs> that might as well be stunt casting. <laughs> Anyways. Temple of Doom. Uh, I don't really have that much more to say about it. The real winner of Temple of Doom is Steven Spielberg, who met his wife, Kate Capshaw, on Temple of Doom. Yeah, con congratulations to the happy couple. Which is why I think her performance is so committed. She must have liked Spielberg, like, working with him, even though her character's awful. Yeah, yeah, I mean, good good for them. Like, honestly, like, all things aside, you know, whatever. Good, Good for you guys. Um, I'm happy it's worked Mora out. Ram. Oh, okay. Yeah, uh, he rips hearts out of people's chest, and it's really gross. And it was really cool when I was a kid, and it's still really gross and cool now. A, that guy gives a really good performance. Yeah, yeah, he's also committed. All, of, all everyone here is committed. It's just the material is so like. Quite frankly, I think it's kind of obnoxious at times. Like it's, I like loud movies. I like Michael Bay. I like extreme Tony Scott movies, too. Uh, even for me, this movie is a little much <laughs> at times. Yeah. It's it's just, a, it's kind of like a miscalculation. Yeah. You know. And I'm the guy that watched six underground, like, six days in a row. So, 
Yeah. Let that be a warning. And I'm the guy who watched maybe five minutes of Six Underground. (laughs) (laughs) But hey, Netflix counts it as a view. Yep. So. That's why every movie on Netflix is seen more than Avatar. Yep. (laughs) I mean, yeah, that's basically it. Um, Soon they're going to start counting people who scrolled past movies as viewers. (laughs) How many people are interested in it? How many people have a Netflix account? That's how. Yep. There you go. Um, it's so weird. We live in an era where, like, now we know for a fact how many people are watching movies, right? Mm-hmm. Like, like the Nielsen ratings for, like, TV were, like, notoriously broken. <laughs> and now we, like, know for a fact how many people are watching TV shows, but, like, none of the streaming services are releasing the numbers. Yeah. But I wonder al- why. But also, we we also know that Nielsen is more broken than ever right now. Because, the, don't you mean, like, that Nielsen box or whatever, right? Like, you need to have, like, some yeah. sort of, like, setup with your It used to be a book, and then they made a box. And I know, I know for a fact that, like, people eventually just started. Like, I know people that were, like... We stopped, like, we would just hit random buttons on it. Like, (laughs) it's, like, one of the least accurate things ever, and it determined, like, all of culture in the United States for, like, 30 years. You know, which is actually kind of the most America thing ever. Yep. Yeah, well. Um, Oh, if you want to see, along with stuff like The Missing Link and Princess Mononoke, if you want to see other exciting animated uh, riffs on things like Temple of Doom. Check out the two-part Clone Wars episode where Jar Jar Binks teams up with Mace Windu. I believe it's season six. Um, They stop a space cult from stealing and sacrificing a space princess. And I'm serious. It is one of my favorite things to come out of Star Wars ever. It is so much fun. (laughs) So very good. Yeah. Who'd have thunk it? But yeah, uh, Indiana Jones, Temple of Doom. Your mileage may vary. <laughs> yep. <laughs> that's, that's what I got, honestly. it's Is it bad? Is it good? It's probably both. Uh, next time, we will not be talking about Indiana Jones. What the fuck are we talking about next time? Uh, but for now, Matt, where can the people find you? I'm at EmperorOTN1 at Twitter.com and EmperorOTN1. On Twitch, I'm streaming occasionally. They've kind of stopped for a little bit because of technical issues, <laughs> but hopefully that'll be back soon. And I've been having some fun doing that. Um, that's it for now. <laughs> uh, did I ask you your final thoughts on Temple of Doom? I, I fucked up, huh? Um, it's fine. Everybody's fine. <laughs> okay, right. everybody's fine. I don't. What I don't. What the fuck do you want? I don't know. Would you Would you watch it before Raiders or any of the other Indiana Jones sequels? No. Yeah, I mean, not me either. Uh, I I, the, I guess the real test will be, do I like Crystal Skull or Temple of Doom more? Yeah, I I, I think so too. Uh, not not. And a... I have not, I have not revisited Crystal Skull. I think since like the year after it came out. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that that'll be exciting to revisit for a multitude of reasons. And of course, you can find me at the Twitter's at the Diego Crespo. Check out the Waffle Press on YouTube, SoundCloud, Spotify, Patreon, and iTunes. Check out. Everything else we got going on. I'm on a Star Trek show over at Talk Film Society now. So get ready for that to drop in the near future. And check out the the, the premiere episode of that. Uh, or I guess a sneak peek episode now. And 
Bayhem, that's also happening. Uh, that's being released to the public on a weekly, bi-weekly basis. Uh, Marcelo, if you're listening to this, sorry, I didn't keep track of the release schedule. And uh, uh, shout out to, to Gene, who's also doing stuff on this podcast with me with our bi-weekly hangouts, although now it's probably weekly at this point. <laughs> uh, just because life is just that's that's the way things are now. We have time, so thank you. Everyone. Soon to be daily and broadcasted from a bunker. <laughs> I'm just gonna go full on. What's that fucking Jim Carrey movie, <laughs> The Truman Show? That'll just be my life. Oh, okay. But every hour, I'm be talking about a different movie there you or go. show. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> that's gonna be the future. That's gonna that's what we're cresting towards. I, I, I don't want to think about that right now. We're all just going to be broadcasting constantly, and we're just all going to talk about pop culture. Honestly, if you notice what's happened with, like, the quarantine, that's exactly what's happened. <laughs> so, hey, we're Can't ahead of the curve. Can't wait to watch the, the show where celebrities watch shows <laughs> or whatever the fuck. So thanks for listening. Thanks for watching. We have been professionally unprofessional.